Hi, and welcome to the School of Etology podcast. This is Vanessa Sophie, and today's episode will be about astrology. The introduction of astrology, basically everything you need to know to be able to understand astrology. If you're new at it, or if you're even more advanced, I'm sure that you're going to be learning something on this topic. But before we dive in, I just wanted to introduce the podcast a little bit, because it is still new, so... The School of Etology podcast is a preview of the real School of Etology where I'm teaching all the practices to help you get to know yourself. And the two practices that I'm the most expert in are astrology and numerology. Eventually, I'm sure that we'll dive into more and different practices. But in the meantime... We are starting with those two. So if you want to learn more about the School of Etology and what it has to offer, if you want to get access to a bunch of free resources as well that you can use alongside your studies as you listen to the podcast, if you want references that you can use, go to theschoolofetology.com. You can download the free guide to learn more about your numerology and astrology. So this will be super helpful for you as you dive into getting to know yourself, because that's what otology is all about. Otology, the definition of that word, means study of the self. Oto for the self, and logi for the study of something. So this is what we are here to do today. So let's dive into today's episode, and if you learn anything, if you find anything valuable, I would love it if you wanted to leave a review to help boost the visibility of the podcast, send it to a friend that you think they would appreciate. And also you can share on Instagram and tag me at the School of Etology. So enjoy, and I hope that you can learn a lot from this. Today, I want to give you some deeper insights on how you can read your sidereal chart in astrology. And I really want to go in details here because I often tell you, you know, you can go get your chart and all of that. But there's really certain things that I want you to understand about how you can get the most out of your chart. And there's a specific way, especially in sidereal, that I want to explain to you when you get your chart and why that's important. Why the settings on how you read your chart is actually important. Because sometimes one small detail can make a drastic difference. That's definitely something that I've been learning a lot about in the past few weeks. So I wanted to educate you a bit further on that. So first of all, if you're new to my content and you don't know what sidereal astrology is all about, or maybe you kind of have an idea, but you've never really heard me talk about this in depth, I'll give you a little bit of a run through what what sidereal astrology is all about. So sidereal astrology is the tool, but it's different than Western or Vedic. So if you've heard of Western astrology or Vedic astrology, those are the practices and where they come from. So Western astrology is how you use the practice and Vedic astrology is from India and the Eastern world. And sidereal is the tool. So that's how you read the zodiac. Typically, Western astrology will use the tropical zodiac in majority and Vedic astrology will use the sidereal zodiac. These are two different things. The reason why I call my practice sidereal astrology is because I don't consider myself either a Western astrologer or Vedic astrologer. I use a mix of the two, 
but it is always with the sidereal zodiac. So that's why I just use sidereal astrology and that's it. It just makes it easier for me. So what it is, sidereal astrology, the definition of sidereal is the observation of the stars. So if I read you the definition on Google, it says sidereal means of or with respect to the distant stars, i.e. the constellation or fixed stars. So basically that's what it is. It's just the observation of the, of the stars in the night sky, which is what originally astrology was based on. So when astrology was discovered and created, they basically observed the movements of the planets in the night sky and created the zodiac inspired by the constellations that they were seeing. They used 12 of them, divided them into 30 degrees equally and created the zodiac out of that. And so then they were observing the movements of the planets through the zodiac and that's how astrology came to be. Now the tropical zodiac, which is what the majority of Western astrologers use, is based on an algorithm that tracks the movements of the planet and is in sync with the calendar and the seasons. So that every single year, the calendar starts with spring equinox on March 31st or March 21st every single year. And so that's when they say that Aries season would start. So the tropical zodiac will be in sync with the calendar so that every single year Aries season starts on March 21st. But because of something that we call the precession of the equinoxes, which is how the earth pivots and tilt on its axis over an extended period of time, it will shift the sky over years and years and years. So the sky shifts backwards about one degree every 72 years because of precession of the equinoxes. But tropical astrology does not take that into consideration. So that means that every single year the sun actually does not come back to zero degrees of Aries on March 21st. Now, 2000 years after they invented the tropical algorithm, while well, the sun is at about five degrees of Pisces on March 21st every single year. And it will continue to move backwards. That's why we're moving towards the age of Aquarius, because the sun is constantly, constantly moving backwards on spring equinox. It does not come back exactly at the same position. So that's why if you look at the transits from tropical astrology, they would tell you that, for example, Mars is in Gemini. But if you actually take a look at it in the night sky, you would see that Mars is actually in the constellation of Taurus. So that means that the tropical zodiac is not a true representation of where the planets are positioned in the zodiac in the night sky. But that's what sidereal astrology is all about. It uses the true astronomical placements of the planets in the night sky. Now that I've clarified this, sidereal and tropical are the zodiacs, Vedic and Western are the practices. Western typically tend to use tropical zodiac, Vedic typically uses the sidereal zodiac. I use sidereal astrology with a mix of both of the practices. Now that I've clarified that, how to get your chart? Well, there's many different tools online. I'm sure that if you would just Google how to get your sidereal chart in astrology, you would find plenty of options. 
The site that I personally like to recommend, especially if you're new to astrology, is astroseek.com. I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, I have no affiliation with that site, although I sh- probably should because I've been referring to so many people to it. Um, but just because I like that site, uh, that's how I started as an astrologer. There's many different options if you want to go more advanced, but also it's great for beginners at the same time. So when you go on astroseek.com, there's a way to get your free birth chart. And what you would do is you have to go play in extended settings and just change the settings from the tropical zodiac and change it to the sidereal zodiac. Now, this is where it's going to get interesting because you have to play a little bit in the advanced settings. The important thing to know about sidereal astrology is that because it uses the zodiac that we see in the night sky, it is not extremely precise to know where exactly zero degrees of Aries would start. And that has been a debate between astrologers for many, many years. So there's many different options. And the way that we call this is called in Ayanamsha. So the Ayanamsha is basically what indicates where the zodiac starts. And the zodiac starts with zero degrees of Aries. And so it's kind of hard, you know, when you look at the night sky, it's kind of hard to determine exactly where zero degrees would be. So there's been many debates and there's tons of different options of Ayanamshas that are all within three degrees. So it's not a huge difference, but it makes a big difference if you have, for example, your ascendant that is at 29 degrees or even 28 degrees of a specific sign, and then you change the, Ayanam- the Ayanamsha, it would actually change your rising sign, which would then change your whole chart and the houses and everything. So that's why it's important to be precise in knowing how to use a tool. So what I would say about that, after lots of study on the topic and lots of testing on the topic, I now recommend that you use the Lahiri Ayanamsha, which is typically the Ayanamsha by default, no matter what. So typically most people have it right, which is great. But the reason why I wanted to share this is because if you've followed me for a while, when I first switched to sidereal astrology, I was telling people to use Fagan Bradley Ayanamsha, which is different. There's a one degree difference. And it probably won't change your chart, but it might on certain things. So that's why I'm telling you now I'm actually recommended Lahiri. And here's the reason why. First, I was recommended to use Fagan Bradley by my mentor because he's been told by his mentor to use Fagan Bradley. And so, you know, it was kind of just passed on like this, but I never really knew why I was using Fagan Bradley. And I just, I was so new to Sidereal Astrology that I didn't exactly know enough to make up my own opinion. So I was just using Fig and Bradley in the meantime. I was like, it's only a couple of degrees, so it's not going to make that much difference either way. And once I do more testing and more research on this, then I'll be able to make a proper decision whether I want to choose Fig and Bradley or something else. And since I started studying Vedic astrology, Vedic astrology by default will use Lahiri because the Lahiri Ayanamsha was actually instored by a group of experts that, I don't know, they did some sort of council all together and they basically decided that Lahiri uh, was the more accurate and I think it was named after one of the people on the board or I don't exactly know the story. <laughs> I just know that it was a council of experts that installed Lahiri. 
And so Vedic astrology by default use Lahiri. And so when I started my Vedic astrology studies, my mentor was telling us to use Lahiri. And so in that case, I was so confused because I was like, I have one mentor that is telling me to use Fig and Bradley. The other one is telling me to use Lahiri. So I was just, I didn't know where to stand anymore. For me personally, it changed only one thing in my chart. And that was one of the nakshatras that my son was in. And so that's like getting more into detail in Vedic astrology. So it did not really change a lot. But I had a couple of people close to me that for them, if they had the planet at 29 degrees, it would flip over to a different sign. So then I was able to use that to question, okay, which one makes more sense for them? So I had one specific friend that his Venus was in Taurus, but with Lahiri, it moved to Gemini. And so that was a great test for me to see, okay, does it make more sense for you, for him to have Venus in Taurus or Venus in Gemini? And so that's the kind of study and test that I do in my practice. Whenever there's something that I'm not sure about, I will have to test it out and do it not just with one chart, not just my own chart, but also with multiple charts. And so that was my first question that I had another friend that, you know, had a couple of change in their chart from Fig and Bradley to Lahiri. So I've studied this for a couple of weeks. I tested it out and then a couple of things came through and it gave me better perspective. And at some point it just gave me enough information for me to decide, yes, Lahiri is more accurate. So I'm going to switch to that. And since then, it blew the doors open. There's so many things I was able to understand better. There's a couple of things that changed drastically in people's chart that really helped me validate that Lahiri was more accurate. So that is why I decided to change from Figured Bradley to Lahiri. And as I said, it might not change many things for you personally in your chart, but if you've been following me for a while and that you've been using Figured Bradley since then, because that's what I recommended at first, I now invite you to switch over to Lahiri because that's the one that I now recommend to people. So that's what I wanted to clarify about how to read your sidereal chart because that's one of the first things to know about is when you switch over to Lahi to sidereal you have to know which INM chart you're going to be using. By default it's typically Lahiri so if you've been wondering what that whole thing is all about now you know <laughs> and now you know why I recommend Lahiri. Now, I also have a variety of people in my audience, and so sometimes I use Vedic, sometimes I use Western, and I just wanted to clarify the difference between the two, and whether you feel more called to work with Vedic or with Western. I want to give you a little bit of a breakthrough on how to read both the charts. So the Western chart looks like a big wheel, and you basically start on the left, that's where you see your rising sign, and so you'll see the axis of the horizon on the chart and on the left hand side you'll see where your rising sign is and then all over the chart it's basically the rest of the zodiac. So for example if you start with a Leo rising you'll have Leo on the left as the first house and then below is the second house so you go anti-clockwise and from there you have one two three four and so on and so forth for all the, all the houses. Each house is associated with a sign, and then in each of these sections, you'll see where the planets are positioned, 
and so each planet is going to be positioned in a sign and in a house. So for example, you'll have Leo first house, Virgo second house, Libra third house, and so on and so forth. If you're in Aries rising, you'd have Aries first house, Taurus second house, Gemini third house, so on and so forth. And then in Western, they look at the aspects. So if you see some lines, you'll see some red lines or some blue lines in the middle of your chart. Those are how the planets will interact with each other. So if you have two planets that are really close to each other or they're opposite to each other, it's either they're going to be friends, either they're going to influence each other a lot, either they're going to be in competition. So how they interact with each other is determined by the aspects that you see between the planets. So that's going a little bit more advanced in astrology. But that's how you would look at a Western chart. Now we need to look at a Vedic chart. The Vedic chart, actually, there's the South Indian and there's the North Indian charts. Typically, in Vedic, you will use the North Indian chart, especially when it comes to reading a birth chart. And so it looks like big diamonds. It's like a square chart and it's divided in diamonds. And you would start at the top of the chart, so the the diamond that is in the middle top of the chart that's the first house and then you do you go clockwise to have all the houses the numbers that you see in it so for example if you have again leo rising top of the chart you'll see a number five because leo is the fifth sign so then you'll have five six seven blah 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 each in each houses and that's how you would read the chart and then if you see MA, that would be Mars. If you see MO, that would be Moon, SA, Saturn. So, you know, you have like the first few letters of each planet. And that's how you would see how a planet is located in a sign or in a house. Now, the aspects in Vedic are not exactly the same. I won't necessarily get into it because it's not as important in Vedic was just interpreted differently at least so we don't really look at aspects when it comes to a Vedic chart. Another thing that Vedic astrology uses a lot is the nakshatras so maybe you've heard me talk about this before basically what it is the nakshatras is smaller divisions of the sky so we know the 12 zodiac signs in Vedic they do use the 12 zodiac signs and how the sky is divided but there's also what we call the lunar mentions, which is basically the translation of nakshatras. And so the lunar mentions is the sky divided by 27 rather than 12. And so it gives you smaller portions of the sky and there's more detail in each of those. So that's why, for example, you'll have you'll have about two and a half, uh, two and a half nakshatras in each sign. So someone that is born in early degrees of Aries versus late degrees of Aries is going to have a much different Aries energy. So that's where it gives you more detail on each of the signs depending on what nakshatra is really strong for someone. So that's a little bit of a breakdown on how you would read either a Vedic or Western chart. Now just as a reminder I'll just break down a little bit what the planets are, what the signs are, and what the houses are. But I would highly encourage for you to download my astrology and numerology guide. You'll find the link in the show notes. 
because I really break it down much further in details like this. And if, if you're like me, you're probably visual. So reading it is going to help you a lot to understand and remember things. And there's so much more information in that guide that is going to help you better understand how to read your own chart. So to complement listening to this podcast, wanting to dive into your chart, having the guide with you is going to be highly beneficial for that. So basically, the first thing that you would look at is the planets. So all the planets and, you know, you can add the objects on top of that. If you work with Chiron, Lilith, Lilith and the North Node and South Node or Vedic calls them Rahu and Ketu. So they are the characters of the show. They each have a different personality and a different expression. And so it's all the many different sides of you. If you think of the intellectual side of you, the relationship part of you, the aggressive part of you, you know, that's like Mercury. That's like Venus is the loving relationship part of you. Mars is the aggressive and competitive one or the passionate one, you know? So they each have a specific function and they will show up differently in your chart. And they will show up depending on how they are influenced in their environment. So I think of all the planets like little voices in your head, you know, like little characters. Like if you've seen the movie Inside Out, like it's, it's a great movie, by the way. <laughs> but if you've seen the movie Inside Out, it's like all the different emotions that are like living in someone's mind. And it's like there's joy and sadness and fear. And they, you know, they're all like little characters that are like expressing their emotions. Well, the planets are similar to that. So there's like the planet of the intellect, the planet of relationships, you know? And so they each have their different function and the job that they have to do and the different part of you that they're expressing and how they're going to express that is going to be dependent on the environment that they're in. And so the environment that they're in is the sign. So if Venus is in the sign of Gemini, well, Venus is how you show up in a relationship and Gemini is hyper-intellectual and fast and needs to be entertained and needs to have fun. Well, that's how it shows up in relationships. Now, if Mercury, the planet of the intellect, is in the sign of Taurus, well, Taurus is very cautious, it's very stubborn, it likes things to be stable, so that's how you are in your intellect. So that's how you interpret the planet in the sign. The sign is the environment and the influence that it has on the planet. Now, the houses are associated with a sign. And the houses represent an area of life. So whether it's your finances, your relationships, your health, your career. And so you're going to have different energies, different influence from all of the signs in different areas of life. So maybe you can be super organized in your finances, but you're super disorganized in your career because of that. So there's different energies in different areas of life and there's different focus in different areas of life. So that's why some people will be very, very focused on health in this lifetime, but some other people won't be at all because it's just not in their chart. Maybe there's specific areas of life where you feel like you always have karmic lessons going through in that because there's Saturn in your chart, for example. So that's where it can give you insights on what area of life are more a focus for you in this lifetime and which ones are not. 
You can get the same kind of insights knowing what transits you're going through because you may have a specific area of life that there's no planets in, so it's never really a focus, but you're going through Saturn transiting through that house, so therefore that time, that period of life, you're learning, you're learning a bunch of lessons in regards to that specific topic. That would be why. So knowing in your natal chart where what area of life is being impacted is really important, but also knowing how the transits are influencing you on a daily basis is also really helpful. But that's topic for another time. <laughs> so as a recap, the planets are the functions and the different parts of yourself. The signs are the influence and the environment. And the houses are the area of life. So when you put that all together, it gives you so much detail on how you can get further insights from your natal chart. So again, as I mentioned, if you want to dive further into that, I would highly, highly recommend that you download my astrology and numerology guide because I explain every single thing and I explain all the 12 zodiac signs and what they mean. I explain the planets and what they mean. I explain the houses and what they mean. And then you can also get a bonus and learn about numerology in the guide. So it's great for that. So that's a good summary of all of that. So the link is in the show notes for you to check that out. And if you like this podcast episode, if you learned something new, I would super appreciate it if you told me about it. You know, you can leave a podcast review on whichever platform you are listening to, or you can share on Instagram and tag me at School of Etology, the School of Etology on Instagram. So I would love to hear from you. I would love to, to read your comments. And if you have any questions as well, you can also reach out. And by the way, eventually I will be offering some giveaways for people who have left reviews on the podcast. So another incentive for you to leave a review. It helps boost the podcast visibility, but also you could win a free membership at the School of Etology or get a you know free access to a workshop or something like that. So if you're interested in that, super worth it. Thank you so much for listening and I wish you a beautiful rest of your day. Until the next episode.